It was always God's intent for his people, the Jews, to live on the mount. See, it was the mount is where he took them after 400 years of slavery. It was the mount where he, he, he was able to physically show him in some form or fashion who he was. And it was at the mount where he let them know what it was going to be like to live a life that was pleasing to him. You see, living on the mount is, is really what it is, is living beyond the ordinary. And, th- and that's the series we're in right now. We're in the series called Summer on the Mount, and it's living a life beyond the ordinary. I'm going to ask you to turn to your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 21. When the people got to the mount... He gave them the law. And the law's intent was always to have people live beyond the ordinary. And and the problem was, was that even though they had the law, the Jews never really, really got it right. They never really, really got living beyond the ordinary right. And And the question is, is why couldn't they? Why couldn't they live beyond the ordinary? And when we consider the law, I'm not so sure that we think of the law as living beyond the ordinary either. And it's this reason for is this, is that we have statements, sort of statements that let us know that we really don't believe that the old law was really a call to a life beyond the ordinary. We use something like this, you know, that's the Old Testament and We're not underneath the Old Testament. You know that, right? The Old Testament is so condemning. It is just so condemning. Or how about this? All the Old Testament is, is is just, it's a bunch of rules and regulations. And we begin to think that the old law is bad. But when I began to look at the teachings of Jesus and and I began to look at the readings that when, when Paul would talk about the law, they never ever thought that the law was bad. In, in fact, that they, they actually believed that the law could be li- a life could be lived beyond the ordinary from the law. They would say something like this. They upheld the law and they called us to the law. Listen to some of these passages. Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 and 18. Jesus says this. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have come not to abolish it, but to fulfill it. Paul would say in Romans chapter 7 and verse 7, What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. Indeed, I would have not come to know sin if it wasn't for the law. Or how about this? Romans chapter 7 and verse 12. So then, the law is holy, and the commandments are holy and righteous and good. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and 1, I mean 1 verse 6 says this, we know that the law is good. And here's what I think. I think we've gotten a little bit mixed up about the law. And let's work this through just a little bit. When it comes to salvation, we understand that there is not enough, quote, laws that we could do to ever be saved. The law could never, ever bring about salvation. 
And we know that, Romans chapter 3 and verse 19, it says, Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. The law could not bring about salvation. But, as far as living beyond the ordinary, the law as a standard of living, it was there. It was there for the Jews. Listen to this. Think about this. If we just practice these in our country today. I appreciate Al's prayer, but think about where our country is, and if we were to practice these things, what our country would be like. Listen to this. Worship the only true God. Honor God's name. Rest and remember God. Respect your parents. Respect and honor life. Honor the sanctity of marriage. Don't take what is not yours. Tell the truth all the time and be satisfied with what you have. Can you imagine our country if we just lived like that? And that's the law. So here's the question is, why didn't the Jews live on the mount? Why didn't they live a life beyond the ordinary? I mean, they had the commands, right? They had all the commands, but so why couldn't they do it? And it really boils down to this. It was their heart. It was their heart that did not allow them to live on the mount. It was their heart that kept them in the valley and living originally. And and just like the Jews, we could settle for living in the valley We could settle for having ordinary hearts. And today what we're going to do is this. We're going to look at three examples of what it looks like to have a heart that lives in the valley. A heart that lives ordinary. Now, I don't know why Jesus just gave three examples of these areas. I mean, when you look at the Sermon on the Mount, there's just a few areas of what the heart's supposed to look like. And, and I'm not sure why these three areas. Maybe it was that the Jews really just struggled with these three areas. Or maybe he's just saying, in general, here's what it looks like to live in the valley an ordinary life. And I'm going to tell you what it looks like to live on the mount and live a life beyond ordinary. I don't know what it is, but here's what I do know. On all three of these areas, we struggle with them. We struggle with them. And so I'm so glad that Jesus addresses these areas. They're needed areas in our lives. So what I want to do is I want to take a look at the character qualities of a heart that is a valley heart, an ordinary heart. The first area is this. A heart that lives in the valley or an ordinary heart is one that is angry. It's an angry heart. The commandment was this. And we find this in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 21. Thou shalt not kill. And to strictly obey this command would be something like this. As long as you didn't do physical harm to somebody, then you lived within God's desires and wishes. The, the valley heart, the ordinary heart would think that. Now, what was really going on at the time, though, is something like this. 
The ordinary heart would say something like this. I could be as angry. I could be as bitter. I could have malice towards any person going unchecked, and I would still be okay with God. If you look at this scripture, it says there's this progression to this bitterness. There's this progression. The first one is just anger. And then he uses this word raka. And raka means stupid or numbskull. And then he says, if it gets really bad and you call your brother a fool, a moron. And according to the heart in the valley, the ordinary heart, my heart could burn with disgust, anger, and ill will. That's the ordinary heart. The second thing is, the ordinary heart, the valley heart, is a lustful heart. It's a lust-filled heart. Here's the command, and we're in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 27. Here's the strictness of the command. The command says you can't have sex with anybody other than your spouse. The ordinary heart said this, though. I could desire, I could covet, and I could long for anybody that I want. All those things would go unchecked. They would be unrestrained. And I would still, in a sense, the ordinary heart would say, I'm still okay with God. What's interesting, notice this. Look at verse 5, verse 31. He talks about divorce here. And it always just sort of stumped me why in the world Jesus would say that here. I mean, I know he's dealing with the adultery thing, but why the marriage thing here? And what he's saying here is this. The ordinary heart does something like this. It is always looking for loopholes how to get out of a marriage. I really think that we've gotten this passage mixed up. Let me explain it this way. We look at this passage and we say something like this. When is it lawful for me to get married again? And Jesus was actually saying exactly the opposite. In this passage, what he's saying is this. I'm, I'm, tired, of you, I'm tired of you trying to look for loopholes on how to get out of your marriage. It would look something like this. He was, he was actually wanting something opposite. He was, he was wanting to close the loopholes. He was trying to correct the culture that would said, I will get a divorce for any reason. Burn the toast, divorce. I don't love you, divorce. Look at me crossways, divorce. An ordinary heart looks for loopholes on how to get out of marriage. The third heart is the dishonest heart. Five chap, chap, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 33, it says, Do not break your oath, but keep your oaths which, oaths which you have made to the Lord. The strictness of the command would say this, Whatever oath you've made to the Lord, keep it. But the ordinary heart would go something like this, I really don't have to keep my word unless I tie it to something holy or something physical. That I really don't have to keep my word unless I tie it to something like this, some holy location or something personal. It would look something like this. You're standing 
with a friend. And I'm going to pick on Josh today just because. Josh comes up, and I'm standing next to Ty, all right? Josh comes up, and he goes, I am going to give a tithe to the Lord. I hit Ty, and I go, yeah, he said that before. Yeah, he said that. He said that before. And then Josh comes back and he goes, On my children's head, I promise I'm going to give a tithe to the Lord. And then I would punch Ty and I go, He might be serious now. He might be serious. You see, a dishonest heart is an ordinary heart. So here's what's happening is this. When Jesus speaks these words on the mount, what he's calling us to is he's calling us to come out of the valley. He's coming as, calling us to come out of the valley and not have an ordinary heart, but have a heart that goes beyond ordinary. And what I love about each of these commands is he actually gives us, within the passage, how to do that. So what does a heart that lives on the mount look like? A heart that goes beyond the ordinary. The heart that lives on the mount is a heart that is a forgiving heart. Now we're going to read Matthew chapter 5, 23 through 36. Watch this. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and then remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary or your enemy who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still with him on the way, or he may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown in prison. I tell you the truth, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. Here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying this, run, run, run to reconciliation. And what's so interesting about this is that he doesn't even care who started it. Did you notice the text there? If your brother has something against you. And in our minds we should be going, well, if our brother has something against us, then he's the one that should be coming to me. And Jesus is saying, no, a heart beyond the ordinary it doesn't matter who started it. All we need to do is reconcile and forgive. And that's all he cares about. And he even goes on beyond the brother part. He says, even your enemy. I was always confused about this court stuff right here. I mean, I always was like, why are you talking about this? But it's the same principle. Look at it. The principle is this. It doesn't matter whether it's your brother or it doesn't matter if it's your enemy. You settle things quickly. You run to reconciliation. You forgive as quickly as possible. And that's the life, that's the life that is beyond the ordinary. We, we run to forgiveness. We run to reconciliation. The heart that lives beyond the ordinary is a contented heart. Look at Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to look at verse 28 through 30. Let's read there. But I tell you, that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to be thrown in hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off 
throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to go to hell. And what Jesus is saying in this metaphorical language is he's saying this, do whatever you have to do not to lust. Do whatever you have to do not to lust. Whatever that is. Maybe in practical terms, it might look something like this for us. Because when you see that cut it off and that language there, it's this deliberate action. It's this decisive action. Jesus is saying, when it comes to this area of your life, I want you to be decisive about this area. How about this? It is better not to have access to a computer than lust. It is better not to have access to a cell phone than lust. It is better to get a new job than lust. It is better, and you start filling in the blanks. When it comes to marriage, here's what Jesus is saying. Stop looking for loopholes on how to get out of your marriage. Stop looking for for loopholes on how to get out. Do whatever you have to. The, the, the heart beyond ordinary says this. Whatever I have to do, whatever I have to do to have this God-honoring, fulfilling marriage, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. And that's the heart beyond the ordinary. Or how about this? The heart beyond the ordinary is a truthful heart. Look at Matthew chapter 5. Now look at verse 34 through 37. But I tell you, do not swear at all, either by heaven for it's God's throne, or by earth because it's his footstool, or by Jerusalem for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. Simply let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. And here's the question. What is our reputation when it comes to telling the truth? What is your reputation when it comes to telling the truth? The truth. What's my reputation when it comes to telling the truth? You see, the truthful heart, the truth, the heart that is lives beyond the ordinary is it, it is it's an honest heart. It keeps language simple. It keeps actions honest. And so let's have the reputation that if we're going to say we're going to do it, we're going to do it. Whether, whatever it is, let us be known as this, these trustworthy people. Let our yes be yes and our no be no. Jesus gives us these examples on the mount today. He's calling for us to go beyond the ordinary. The ordinary heart of anger and the ordinary heart of lust and the ordinary heart of dishonesty. And what he's calling us today and what he's asking us to do is make the journey to a heart that is, for, that is centered and has is in the grip of forgiveness. 
that we have relationships, specifically our marriage relationship, where there is contentment and where our lives is known for being truthful. But before it goes there, I think it has to be this. It has to be something that goes on in our thinking, what we're thinking. And what I want to do is this. I want to share with you what I believe is the spirit that will allow us to live on the mount, that will allow us to live a life and have a heart that is beyond the ordinary. And the first thing is this. It's an understanding heart. It's an understanding heart. Okay, as I get older, you know, I'm 45 and, you know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, wait, that's the truthful heart. Wait, I blew that part of the serpent. No. <laughs> Listen, here's what I'm beginning to understand. How little control that I have. When I was younger, honestly, I thought I could control a bunch of stuff. And I got to let you know that I was probably naive. I know I was naive. I was unrealistically and unrealistic, but more importantly, I was probably arrogant. Well, I know I was arrogant. But I want to let you know something that you need to know. Here's what I want you to know. We have control on what we do with our heart. Did you hear me? We have control on what we do with our heart. And, and not only do we have control of that, but we also need to understand that there is this unbelievable correlation between the condition of my heart and my actions. The condition of my heart and my actions go hand in hand. There's this correlation between the two. Now, let me show you where that goes. Matthew chapter 15, Jesus says, you know, what comes out of your heart? What unclean things come out of your heart? And we're thinking about these thoughts. But isn't it interesting the things that come out of the heart are actions? It's the actions. He says something like this. He goes, I want to let you know, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft. Our heart and our actions are tied together. Our heart and our actions are tied together. Listen to uh, just the history of Scripture as it relates to an ordinary heart and a heart that lives beyond the ordinary, especially in understanding this. An, un, an ordinary heart brought about the flood that destroyed the earth. An ordinary heart brought about plagues. An ordinary heart led a nation into captivity. An ordinary heart caused King Solomon to abandon God. An ordinary heart caused the death of Ananias and Sapphira and so on and so on. But listen to this and understand the control we have over our heart. A heart beyond the ordinary, a heart behind the ordinary, beyond the ordinary, returned a nation from captivity. A heart beyond the ordinary rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. A heart beyond the ordinary responded over and over again to the good news of the gospel message in the book of Acts. A, ordinary, a heart beyond the ordinary led Paul and others on missionary journeys, so on and so on and so on. See, the understanding heart 
a heart beyond the ordinary recognizes there is control. We have control and power of what we do with our heart. The second thing is this. An understanding heart leads me to this next thing. It is a careful heart. Here's what I mean. We need to be very, very vigilant on what we expose our heart to. We need to be so vigilant on what we expose our heart to. And, and, and here's the thing. We get that physically, right? I mean, we're dieting. <laughs> we're eating special foods. We're exercising. Why? We want to take care of our heart. We're careful with our heart. How much more we need to be careful with our spiritual heart. I believe Solomon said it this way, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23. And I want you to know the language there is unmistakable. It literally is this. It is a guard. It is a jail cell imagery. And, and the imagery is this. Put your heart in the jail and stand guard over it. So it would look something like this. Anger comes. And the guard, you go, I'm sorry, you cannot come in here. And really, I'm not sorry. Lust comes. And it comes to the jail cell of your heart. And you go, I am not going to let lust in my heart. Or how about this? Dishonesty. Dishonesty comes to the guard of your heart and the guard goes, we go, I will not let dishonesty enter my heart. And whatever it is that you struggle with, we are to be vigilant about that. You get the idea, right? But finally is this. Even an understanding heart and a careful heart, we need to have a transformed heart. A transformed heart. Over and over again, God is calling for, and the people of old are calling for us to have a transformed heart. I want to share some scriptures with you. You could write them down and look at them later on. Psalm 139, 23, it's this. Search me. And the idea there is, God, I want you to examine me intimately. I want you to examine me intimately. And know my heart, test me, and know my anxious thoughts. Joel chapter 2 and verse 13, it says this, rend. It literally means, I want you to rip open my heart. I want you to rip open my heart, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to rip open my heart and not my garments. And I want to return to the Lord your God who is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love, and relents from sending calamity. And one of the famous ones is this. We have a song. Psalm 51, verse 12. Create, create in me a clean heart. You know what that create is? Shape, fashion, mold my heart. God, mold, fashion, shape my heart. 
And I want to suggest something for you. I wish, here's the time I wish we had the PowerPoint, is this. I want to, I want to suggest a prayer that we offer on a daily basis. It would sound something like this. Jesus, please search my heart and test my heart. Jesus, tear open my heart and make it moldable to you. Jesus, create in me a pure heart that desires only to live on the mount with you. I wonder what would happen to our lives and the people that we touch if we prayed that prayer on a daily basis. Today, the summer on the mount, life beyond the ordinary. I want to ask you this. I want to tell you is this. Jesus is calling you to the mount. Jesus is calling you to a life beyond the ordinary. And today, if you've not given your heart to Jesus, I am asking you, I'm begging with you, I'm pleading with you today to give your life and your heart to Jesus. Be baptized in his name. Confess his name. But today, for us who may have been around for a while as a Christian, how's your heart today? How's your heart today? And you need to know one of the biggest things we want to do here is help you with your heart. And if you're struggling in that area, if you need help in that area, come as we stand and as we sing.